Can we give Kim a bit of a welcome? Uh, awesome. Thanks. Hey, um, you might be sitting here thinking, what's going on this morning? Where's, where's Jono? Where's Matt? Where's Steve? Why is Robbie sitting in this chair? What are we going to expect this morning? Well, I have the great honour and privilege to help uh, draw out the amazing um, coming to faith story that, that Kim has. And, and a part of our Sundays, we're wanting to create space around um, stories like this because, um, as, we, as I said, as we come in on a Sunday, it's an opportunity to praise God and testimonies do that. And so, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for coming to do that. And I, I reflect on a scripture that I'm hugely passionate about and we're going through Romans of the at the moment, but Romans 1.12 talks about, you know, being mutually encouraged in the faith. And so it's, um, to this morning, Kim gets to, mutual, gets to encourage us in the faith. And so hugely thankful for that. And um, I just want to, you know, as you sit there today thinking about, all right, how's this testimony um, going to speak to me? And it's always that beautiful reminder, as I said at the start, what God does in one person's life is a message for everyone. And so whether this testimony today reminds you of the amazing um, God that's in your life or maybe it might ch- challenge you around, hey, how am I outworking what God, you know, the salvation that God's, the salvation that I've found in, in Christ and how's that playing out in my everyday as well. So I don't want to talk too much because you're way better at doing it, but maybe just a little, you know, snapshot because I posted a photo of this uh, interview on socials and one of the things was like someone said you're like a local hero so who who is Kimberly Thomas just a little snapshot there I wouldn't say local hero by any stretch of the imagination I'm very ordinary suburban woman Um, but uh, who am I I'm Kimberly Thomas Um, I've lived in Geelong for 20 years originally from Melbourne various parts I am married to the amazing Glenn Thomas and have three beautiful children um, who are all grown-ups, which makes me feel incredibly old nowadays. Um, I am blessed to be a part of the community here. I'm involved in volunteering at OneCare, which is my great delight every single week to be able to be involved in that incredible ministry there. Um, I get to be part of the worship team here, which is awesome. I'm loving being part of the One Hope family and um, being part of the worship team. So I guess in some respects, you guys get to see me up the front and they're like, who's this woman? Who, we don't even really know her. So I guess this is your opportunity to dig in a little bit and find out a bit of my backstory. I'm also, I come from a nursing background and um, also a teacher and sort of smoosh the two together. And I'm a health educator in a lot of the primary schools around Geelong and also in Melbourne. So that's a bit of a snapshot of me. Awesome. Well, I just got to say, my two girls love, they come here early in the morning um, to watch the team worship and they've seen you and they just, just to see how much encouragement, the way you lead us in worship is, is beautiful and, and it kind of, it's really impacted my kids and um, even Lola this morning, just, yeah, all of a sudden trying to do your nails and yeah, so it's a huge blessing. Hey, we're here to hear your coming to faith story. So I think the best way to kind of just say is like, where does, where does that all start? Where does it all start? It's funny. It, I don't think you really understand your faith story until you're on the other side of it looking back. See, um, the way God has his hand on your life from very early. I grew up in an atheistic family. My, my parents, uh, my dad had come from um, a smattering of Church of England and Masonic Lodge. 
my mum came from a, a Catholic family, but a very troubled family. And as soon as they could get out of religion's way or faith's way, they did. So we grew up uh, in a very anti-Christ environment. So I didn't really get to hear about God other than my Catholic grandmother saying, God bless you every now and then. Um, and But I look back at where I came from and I see God's hand firmly on my life. Um, right from little... Um, it probably started off with a few key key figures, but God seemed to send people into my sphere right throughout my whole life, which is kind of crazy. And I, I didn't give it any sort of credence until I came to faith and looked back and went, wow, how's the way God just puts his hand on your life over and over again without you even being fully aware of it to draw you into his presence? So for me, it probably started um, as a little girl going to primary school and having an RE teacher. So for any of you that have ever done RE teaching, don't ever think that the work that you've done is for nothing. The RE teachers that came in and sang songs about Jesus, I was always a musical kid, and those songs about Jesus just sparked something within me. I didn't understand it at all. Didn't understand why it was making me feel different, but it did. And um, I guess it was that, initial gateway towards hearing more. Later on, I had um, uh, my parents um, divorced when I was and then my mum remarried and she was, uh, we're having a little bit of trouble. <laughs> um, she was uh, a working mum and uh, I was babysat after school and whilst um, mum found a babysitter somewhere and this lady happened to be a Christian. Now, if my mum had have really thought about it, she probably wouldn't have sent me there for fear that I would be indoctrinated. But she did. And this lady used to hold a, like a kids club on a Friday afternoon and invite the neighbourhood kids in and we would have to say a memory verse at the very beginning. And she used to, some of you will remember the old flannel graph. Just have to flannel graph boards up with the stories from the Bible. I didn't know, I did not know what a flannel graph was and I didn't, maybe you can explain what tracks are too. Does anyone know what a track is? Oh, tracked. I see your hand, there's a track. Little bits of paper. Is there many people that know what a flannel graph is? Flannel graphs, look at that. Wow, okay. This is showing my age. You're getting educated with some. Yep. So the old flannel graph stories, and so I learned about Jesus and was given my first Bible at that stage, none of which I started in Genesis in an old King James Version. Did not understand a word of it at eight years old, um, but was excited to be around this story and learning songs about God. And there was just something in it, again, that drew me in. We moved out to the country, far, far away from any contacts. We live quite remote at one stage. Um, and all of that sort of went by the wayside. But then throughout high school, and I went, to, I went to three primary schools and three high schools. I had very nomadic parents. At every place I went to, God had somebody there that knew him. I became really close friends with a girl in high school whose family had come out of quite a dark background and had become Christians, and they talked to me about Jesus. I never really understood the gospel, though. Nobody ever really unpacked the gospel for me. So I could never really make a decision because I, I didn't really know what I was making a decision for. 
but I was attracted to it. I joined a singing group and we used to sing in churches. And I still didn't have a relationship with God, but I loved to do this. There was this resonance here. And I see how God was really paving the way and preparing my heart. There were, there were even times um, in public places. I was on a bus one time um, as an adult. I lived in Melbourne uh, and I worked right in the city. And I was travelling into the city this one day and this woman was handing out tracts and uh, people were complaining because we were on the freeway so they couldn't get away from it, they couldn't get off the bus. And um, they were complaining, complaining, oh, what are you handing this out for? Giving her a hard time and I stood up for her for no reason. I had no reason to. I had no affinity to her. I had no connection to God. But I just felt like I had felt this righteous indignation and just stood up for this this woman and said, it's just a piece of paper. If you don't want it, get off the bus and throw it away. But just, you know, she's not doing you any harm. Maybe there's something in it. Can, can I just highlight, yeah, the, you, you said that God has put someone in every single space on your yeah. coming to faith journey. And I look at that, there's, yeah, I had a list here. We, we caught up on Wednesday just to, to hear uh, Kim's story. There's the RE teacher with the singing. There's the babysitter. I love that you called her churchy. But she, she gave you your first Bible, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, there's the Castle Main best friend. There's the Christian singing group. There's the lady on the bus. And then there's the lady handing out tracts. And then there's the people in the Burke Street Mall. If God wasn't oh, trying yeah. to get your attention or continually pursuing you, then I don't know what was going on there. So yeah. um, I, I want to probably focus in on that housemate, um, your boyfriend's sister. Yep. Or ex-boyfriend, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Glenn. No, um, no. <laughs> is everyone Long right there? Long time ago. Long That's time ago. That's the family over there. Yes. Everyone but one and I, their son, Jesse, I said, are you all right to come up onto the platform and sing with your mum? And he just looked at me like, I'm just here to sit in the pews. Don't get me up on the platform. So <laughs> mum is good on the platform. She's, she does well. So, um, But that, I, I feel like that was really significant. Yep. And I, I mean, I lo- yeah, I'm going to let you unpack that, but. Just the way she kind of understood you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, and still does. Yeah. So um, I, I, I had a serious boyfriend. I needed to move out of home. And he had a sister that also needed to move out of home. We were the same age. And I knew she was a Christian. I'd met her a number of times. And um, I'm like, oh, I don't really want to move in with her. I don't want her to Bible bash me. You know, I don't want to hear And... Um, I ended up out of necessity moving out with her and I, I remember saying if she starts talking to me about God I'm going to give her what for I'm not interested and she didn't she didn't talk to me about God at all but I watched her and I watched the people that she hung out with and they had something that I didn't have I had this joy it was a joy that I couldn't understand it wasn't they lived a perfect life. It wasn't because everything was happy around them, but they had this deep-seated joy within their hearts and they had this peace that I didn't recognise in my own life at all. Now, I've, I'd come from a really rough background. My dad was a biker. Mum was a hippie and you know, we were surrounded by a lot of drugs and alcohol and all sorts of stuff that I shouldn't have been exposed to as a young person. And, and I met these people and they... they they had something that I knew I needed. That I, I really wanted to reach out for and I didn't understand. So 
I watched and I watched and she never Bible bashed me. And then I started to ask questions. I Basically, I did all the work for her. It was, was an easy show, really. That's what I find interesting because I think sometimes for us, when we see um, people in our lives that we want to get, I want them to meet Jesus, so, you know, I'll leave my Bible open on the table or I'll drop a conversation or we just... Sometimes it feels like we get caught doing it in our own strength. As I hear about your housemate, there was almost this piece that like her life, you know, which we talk about, our lives are just to reflect Christ. And when they reflect Christ, I feel like that's what happened. You know, she didn't have to say anything. You were the one. I just laughed the fact that you had to invite yourself to church, even that. So there you go. Oh, I hated it. She'd go to church without me and I'd be at home on Sunday just sort of looking at the walls. I kind, of, I kind of wish I was with those guys because any time I was with them, there just was something that, that they had that I didn't understand. It was the Holy Spirit within them that, that they had Jesus and, and I didn't. And so as I asked the questions more and more and started to understand the plan of salvation, eventually I said, will you take me to church? And I went to church and I heard it and it started to make sense to me. And then because I'm a musical person, I was reached by a song. And um, we, were, we were out in the car and they'd played. It was a, a contemporary Christian song at the time. But it spoke about God's higher ways, that his ways are higher than ours. But that his ways are the ways of a father, hiding his children in his love. And I didn't, excuse me, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. I still don't. And I needed a dad. And God reached out as a father. And at that, at that point in time, I couldn't stop crying then. I still can't. But I knew that I'd found my home in him. And so I was driving along in my 67 Beetle uh, on my way to theatre practice. And I gave my heart to the Lord because I knew that what he had was what I needed. Best decision I ever made 30 years ago. Thanks, buddy. Where am I going, actually? You're just taking this on, and I should just maybe go sit down there. So No. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, that, like I was gonna, you know, that story of coming to faith and accepting Jesus into your life, I love it because it's a great reminder that we can do that anywhere. Sometimes it feels like it, it you know. Um, I mean, there is always a great opportunity to do that when you come to church on a Sunday, but... Um, was yeah for you to just kind of make that call within that space and and to do it yeah I mean yeah did you just I, yeah I just I think that's of great encouragement because it's like well when we're ready um, it's like that's just a one-on-one relationship with with you and and God isn't it Yep and I think for me I was very clear in my understanding that this was about a relationship. This, it, it wasn't about religion because I didn't come from that. It, it wasn't about um, ticking boxes or feeling like it was something that I had to do or that other people expected of me. In fact, this is something that nobody expected and my whole family were opposed to this decision. So for me, this was a very personal decision to make, to build a relationship with God and it's remained that way. It's about a relationship. You kind of mentioned the weight of that decision too. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
unpack yeah, it, that a little bit more? There was gravity. There's gravity to that decision. You know, you have to count the cost and it was a big cost. Um, I lost a lot of friends. My whole life changed. I'd been a big party girl and I was taking a very different step in a very different direction. My family, as I said, were very opposed to my decision um, and couldn't understand it. Um, so there was a great weight to the decision that I made and I, I had to really count the cost. Um, but it was a cost that ultimately was worth it. And, um, and I, I think the seriousness of that has meant that throughout my 30 years of walking with Jesus, even though it hasn't been an easy road and I don't think it ever is for any of us an easy road. Anybody who says, sign up to be a Christian, you'll have a perfect easy life, is, uh, has got a bit of swamp land to sell you as well. You know, they're pulling the wool over your eyes. It's not true. The life in Christ is a hard life because we battle against ourselves and we battle against principalities and darkness in this world. And, and um, it, when you understand it seriously and make a serious decision, not a flippant, half-hearted, oh, yeah, everybody else is doing it or oh, my parents expect me to do it, um, it's a very different thing to when you go, no, this is, this is a life decision and there is weight to it and it's a weight that I carry um, all the time. I know it's serious. Yeah. I'd love to you just talk about, it's pretty cool, you're like the first fruits, you know, mm. the first kind of um, in your family line and then maybe chat about the, you know, what, what that is and then the impact that that's been. So, as the first fruits in my family, in my very crazy, very mixed up, very troubled family, uh, my parents were <laughs> horrified. Um, and my siblings, I'm, I'm one of six um, from separate, different marriages, three separate marriages. So, the first person I went to was my older brother to tell him. And he has had a very troubled life, in, including drug addiction and that sort of stuff. And uh, he looked at me like I was crazy. But also we'd had a close enough relationship over the years that it was worth investigating. And I was the first fruits, but he was the second fruits. And so we passed the torch. Oh, it gets better than that. Uh, so we, we passed the torch along and... Um, uh, five of us made a decision, one walked away, but four of us still believe. Um, yeah, put your hands. That's awesome. Yeah. But the best story, I think, to come out of my family is my mum. So my mum was very anti-Christ, very, very anti-Christ. She was very into New Age stuff, um, reading tarot cards and... Um, did not want to hear about church stuff. But um, she had made a promise to God when she was a young woman. I was an emergency caesarean delivery and in the, uh, the emergency labour ward, she said to God, I will give you anything if you save this child. Well, he saved me twice over and then took each one of her children <laughs> and eventually came for her too. So although she was really anti-Christ, um, we were determined to deliver the gospel and she was determined to repel it. So 
after years and years of wanting a closeness with us but knowing that the spiritual side was a big deal and was always going to keep her at arm's length. Now, she used to try and speak Christianese with us. But you know how it feels when somebody is trying to talk to you but they don't, they don't really understand where they're coming from. It just comes off a bit flat. Um, so we'd look at her and go, mm, yeah, nice, but no, we know that there's nothing there. So my mum was uh, diagnosed with a very rare cancer and she was given a, a pretty bad prognosis. And at that point, she started to ask the hard questions. It's amazing when we're faced with our own mortality, um, what we'll do. And she started to really investigate faith. We really, we thought she would never. We prayed for her. My children had spent their whole lives praying for my mum that she would become friends with Jesus. And I'm so grateful to say that their prayers were answered and they got to see her make a decision for him. Yeah. Amen. It's awesome. Yeah. So Thanks, Ju. I didn't think I'd be so sooky. Sorry. We had the flower on there, but I think we should have put the tissue box again. Lesson learned next time. So, uh, as, uh, well, as well as that, she asked to be, but she demanded to be baptised, which was a really big thing because she'd come from a Catholic background and was like, "Well, I was baptised as a kid." She used to question us about that sort of thing, but she demanded to be baptised, and um, she said on that day that it was like it was her wedding day, and it was the greatest day ever. Um, we got a photo of that, I think, that baptism. If we got that on the screens, maybe. There we go. <laughs> there she is. Awesome. My little mummy. And I think there's a photo of all the siblings together, pre or post that. that was, that's my younger brother who baptised her, which is pretty amazing. And that's all of us, her, her children, and all of us belong to him. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> Probably my favourite thing that my mum said, for those of you praying for parents or praying for family and thinking it's never going to happen, I got to the place where the night before my mum died, I spent the night with her and um, I had nursed her a fair bit. And she said to me, she'd always been afraid of death. And she said to me, I'm not, I'm not afraid to die. Does this sound weird? I'm actually excited. And I said, no, it actually doesn't sound weird to me. And I said, she said, I want you to understand this really clearly. I'm excited to go because after all my years of, of turmoil and bad relationships, I've finally found the love of my life and I can't wait to meet him. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty awesome because I knew that when I watched her die the next day, that she went to glory. Mm. Yeah, so there was good. so much peace yeah. that came with that. Yep. I might invite the worship team up and I feel like one of the things I just grab out, of, there's two things I really grab out of your story um, is just God continually putting people in your life because as a reminder of like, Kim, I want relationship with you. Mm. But on the flip side of that, I look at it and go that the people that were put into your life were as well like this part where um, I think I love that you wrote this. Um, uh, 
you know, God is the one with the plan for someone's salvation and he uses all sorts of means. And yep. I feel like as we're, we're gathered here this morning and we sit there and we hear that, that testimony, it's, um, you know, for many of us that have come to faith, we can think of that story. And if you get a call from Matt Jacoby this week, he might be trying to track you down to get up on here on the platform. So <laughs> I hope Kim's been of great encouragement of what uh, sharing your testimony does. But... Um, I feel like out of it too, like it's a great reminder of, um, you know, that God's using us, well, can use us if we're available for seeing, you know, maybe not being at, well, you, you're, in the, you're in a Beatle car by yourself, but all these people played a role in their willingness yeah. to outwork their faith. That's right. Do um, you want to just land that for us, I reckon? You know, I don't, I've probably said too much there, but just that awesome part, those two things, like the people that pursued you, or God put in your life and, and the way that, you know, those people have outworked there, played a part in your salvation mm. story. Yeah. And, you know, without, without all of those, the tiny little, um, the watering of the seeds, you know, the, the people that were willing to harvest the seed later on that had been lovingly watered by all sorts of people. And it, you know what? It doesn't take much. I had, a, I had a lady pray with me on a, on a bus one day, just randomly, asked me, could she pray for me? Those little things are things that were markers in my life that led me eventually to the place where it was the right decision for me. Don't ever discount those small things that you do in faith for Christ towards someone's salvation. You might never get to meet them this side of heaven, but that doesn't matter because God's using it. Awesome. Well, do you want to, I think it would be just great to pray out of this. Yeah. I think there's, there'd be plenty of people sitting here with feeling the, the call like, oh man, there's people in my life I want to see God use me to, to be a witness to and um, whatever, you know, and however else you want to pray out, that'd be awesome. Yep. And then I'll get you to stand with us, guys. Let's do that. And then we'll have the team leaders in worship. Over to you, again. <laughs> no worries. Father, we just uh, commit this time to you and I'm, I'm so grateful personally for the way that you've had your hand over my life and I just think of every heart here and everyone that they're connected with Lord we're all connected to people that we want to see come to you come to know you and sometimes the burden of that is so great that it almost freezes us in place and stops us from doing anything because we think we have to lead somebody right from the start to salvation in one meeting Father would you help us to be reminded that we can plant a seed no matter how small we think it is and that you can use that for your glory. That we can be watering those seeds every time we speak love and speak faith into somebody's life, every time we pray over somebody, every time we um, do something loving in your name. Lord, Father, would you help us to be reminded to take those steps of faith daily and know that you will multiply it just like the loaves and the fishes. That you know how to do with what little we bring forward to you, you know how to do amazing things and lives are changed. Not just one life, but all the lives that they're connected to as well. And Lord, I'm so grateful to you for the way that you've done that in my life and that you're speaking that into the lives around me. Lord, would you just move on hearts today? If there's somebody here that doesn't know you, that has never made that decision before, Lord, would you stir something in them? Maybe something's resonated in my story today. And Lord, that, that that spark would start for them, that they might essentially push past that and say, I want more.
I want to know this God. I want to know this God that changes and transforms lives. And Lord, would you bring that to pass? Father, move their hearts. Give them the courage to to find somebody today. Oh Lord, we're just so grateful for who you are. Would you guide us in all that we do this week as we think about these things? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Can you just put your hands together for Kim? Awesome.